Good morning. In 1962, Thomas Kuhn wrote a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, in which he coined the term paradigm shift to describe how scientific knowledge, which normally advances through the accumulation of information, sometimes gets to a point where the data doesn't fit into the existing worldview. Then suddenly, a new paradigm will reorganize everything we know into a new vision of the world. This is what happened, Kuhn said, with the Copernican Revolution when the sun replaced the earth as the center of a solar system. New paradigms create revolutions, which is why at first they are rejected by those who are experts in the old paradigms. Theology goes through paradigm shifts too. In the 19th century, most people thought of Jesus as a kind man who tried to teach people about the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Then, in 1906, Albert Schweitzer published his quest of the historical Jesus, which painted a portrait of Jesus as a radical Jewish apocalyptic prophet, announcing the imminent end of the world. So today, scholars are quick to point to themes of harvest and the end of the day as the key to understanding Jesus' teaching. The kingdom of God, they say, thy, when we pray thy kingdom come, they say that's not so much to pray that God's kingdom may be established on earth in the world as it is a prayer for the end of the world as we know it. What seems to me helpful about the notions of paradigm shift and Schweitzer's study of the historical Jesus is that they can help us to understand Jesus' teaching as presenting a radical new view of our relationship to God and to the world. Clearly, Jesus is not interested in the end of the world as a scientific fact, but so that we might not be anxious now while we are placed among things that are passing away but might hold on to those things that shall abide. In other words, if we can see clearly what will matter at the end of the day, we can learn how to live, as Paul says, in a manner worthy of the gospel. So what are we to make of Jesus' parable today when at the end of the day, the owner said, give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first, and then paid everyone the same. Is this just a kind of rough justice, legal, but hardly generous or fair? Is it a prophecy of revolution? The poor get the kingdom, the meek inherit the earth, but woe to you who are rich. 
This morning on the news, I heard that there has been a surge in young people's voter registrations inspired by Taylor Swift. For people of my generation, the Jesus' words, the last will be first and the first will be last, remind us inevitably of Bob Dylan's 1963 civil rights anthem, The Times They Are Changing, which warned writers and critics, senators, congressmen, even mothers and fathers throughout the land to get out of the way because the the times they are a-changing. Because a line it is drawn, the curse it is cast, the slow one now will later be fast, last as the present now will later be past, the order is rapidly fading, and the first one now will later be last, for the times they are changing. But is this correct? Might we discover a new way to hear and see that will help us to live our lives today in a manner worthy of the gospel? When I was rector of St. Andrews in Boca Raton, we had a contemporary service with electric guitars, bass, and drums on-screen projections of song lyrics and multimedia sermons. Our drummer happened to be a shepherd. He lived in a community called Horseshoe Acres, but instead of horses, he kept sheep. When the gospel lesson was going to be Jesus' good shepherd discourse in John's gospel, I said, Rob, would you give the talk next Sunday and tell us about being a shepherd? So, the next week, he played a video for us. In it, he was standing in the corral with the sheep in the pasture by his barn. He said, I'm going to give a command and the sheepdogs will lead the sheep into the barn. So he did, and sure enough, the sheep immediately formed a line, one behind the other. But he said, there's a problem. There's a sheep by the fence that can't get up. It must be sick. Now watch this. And the sheepdog went over to the lost sheep and very gently led it back to the back of the line. Rob explained, when the sheep line up, the biggest and strongest sheep go to the head of the line, and the others line up in order behind it. But the sheepdog will bring the weak sheep in first from the back, and the others will follow. So the first will be last, and the last will be first. The last to be hired today were not lazy. They were just least. Least qualified, least skilled. They probably were older 
and weaker, maybe more infirm, maybe sicker than the rest. Maybe they were Samaritans or worse, Gentiles. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He said he came to save the lost sheep of Israel. He sought out the weak and the lost, the halt and the lame, as a shepherd searches for lost sheep, or as a woman might search for a lost coin, because they were precious to him, as a pearl of great price or a buried treasure, even the least of these. He does it not because he wants to keep anybody out, but so that all can come in. He pays the last first because he knows that work is about more than a paycheck. It's about dignity. And to remind us that the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great kindness so that we might live lives of graciousness and be full of compassion, so that we might not be quick to anger or envious of the Lord's generosity, but might instead show great kindness even to the least among us, even to the last guy, even to our enemies. Near the end of the Civil War, a month or so before Appomattox, Abraham Lincoln spoke to the nation in his second inaugural. We had not listened to the better angels of our nature as he had hoped we might in his first inaugural. And Lincoln did not discount the war that had ravaged the land for the past four years or the divine judgment he believed it represented on slavery. But neither did he cast blame or seek revenge or gloat in victory. Instead, he urged, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. This, he said in effect, is what will matter at the end of the day. This is what will mean, it will mean to hold fast to those things that shall endure, to live a life worthy of our calling. This is the reversal of order that will announce that we truly live by a new paradigm. And for us, this is what it means to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For by this, all will know that we are his disciples. <laughs>